Well, greetings, everybody, and welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. My name is Steve Fredland, and I am your host uh, for this podcast. Uh, we operate out of the Twin Cities metro area of Minneapolis and St. Paul in Minnesota, uh, but I know we got listeners all over the place, so it's great to hear from you, and uh, we'd love to continue the dialogue, and including if you have any ideas on, on where we should go with this. Uh, today, I'm excited because we're doing our first interview uh, that we've actually published. This is with Joe Bernard, who is a local uh, Twin Cities player who's got some great insights. And I've gotten to know Joe a little bit over the years. Uh, we don't really play the same tournaments, but I've still had the, the honor of getting to know him a little bit, so I'm excited to share that conversation with you. A couple of housekeeping items. First of all, I want to give a huge shout-out to our sponsor, the Free Poker Network. And I want to recommend for those of you who are out there or looking for a free game or a uh, or just some, a chance to work on your game uh, without uh, a big financial investment. Uh, there's a lot of great bars in the area. Actually, they're nationwide. Uh, the Free Poker Network. Check them out. Uh, they got games going all over the place all the time. Uh, it's a great way to work on your game, meet some great people, and you actually have a chance to play for free and ultimately get through the bar, get through the region, get through the state, and play at nationals for even a shot at a World Series of Poker main event seat. So <clears throat> check them out. Uh, great crew there, Brooke Leiter, Pete Bushy, the whole crew have uh, been fantastic to work with them and very supportive of what we're doing here with Rec Poker. So check them out. Also, I want to give you a heads up that we are starting a virtual book club. So this is with Jonathan Little's book on uh, tournament poker. And what we're going to be doing is we're inviting all of you to, to read along with that and then submit audio clips. Uh, if you want more details on how that's going to work, get a hold of me, Steve Fredland at gmail.com or you can get a hold of me through the uh, rec, rec Poker Twitter feed or the Rec Poker group on Facebook and I can give you all the details. We've got deadlines and that sort of thing. But read along, submit it, and then I will compile all of those pieces uh, along with audio that we've received from Jonathan Little who's super excited about Rec Poker doing this. We're going to consolidate all of those and we'll release them as a series of podcasts once that's all done. I would guess sometime in the summer of 2017. So uh, check that out. If that's something you want to be a part of, please let me know. So a lot of cool stuff going on, uh, but without further ado, I want to uh, invite you to sit back and listen and enjoy the conversation that I recently had with Joe Bernard. All right, everybody. Well, I am here with Joe Bernard, and that is how you pronounce it, Bernard, yeah. right? Because I want to say Barnard, just yeah. because the A's are in there. But it's Joe yeah, Bernard. Bernard. Gangster Joseph Warren <laughs> on Twitter. Is that okay if I put that out there? Yeah. yeah All right. Sure. So follow him, man. He's into interesting stuff. So, uh, man, I just have a, I have a ton of questions. And we've already been talking a little bit before we started recording because I'm interested in your world and kind of what you're doing outside of poker, too. But I just want to get started. Like, give us an idea of, like, what, what are you currently doing? Like, how much poker do you play? What tournaments do you play? Is this a full-time gig? Or are you doing something else? Kind of just... Set the stage before we get into some of the details. Sure. Um, so I play poker uh, as a way to make a living. Um, I predominantly play tournaments, but also a little bit of cash. Uh, almost fully, no one will hold them. Uh, tournaments uh, generally range from like 500 to 2,000 is kind of my target. And uh, I really don't, don't play that much, but I've been fortunate enough to do well enough to support myself. Um, You've had a pretty good run lately, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good start to the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, do you travel a bit for that, or do you just play locally? Yeah, I, I generally travel 
uh, basically within a state, uh, five or six hours driving is kind of my limit. Um, so who, what does that hit? Now, for those of you who are not here, we're in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, and St. Paul. So you obviously have running Aces in Canterbury Park here. So what is that five, six hour? What, what else do you hit there as part uh, that, of that? That'll get you to Milwaukee, um, Chicago, uh, any, any stop in Iowa, and uh, Sioux Falls, I guess, is okay. generally. A lot of MSPT stops, uh, a couple circuit stops, and uh, HPT every once in a while. Okay, okay. So do you do play all or almost all the MSPTs, and are you sort of on that um, on that tour when they're local? or? Yeah, yeah, generally play as much as I can. Um, if I have a busy weekend, then I'll take it off. But yeah, I'll try to try to get it to everyone that I can. Okay, and so you're playing the you're playing tournaments that are, you know, higher level buy-in than most of our recreational players, but not so much higher that it's a lot of this still isn't transferable knowledge. No, absolutely. I mean, poker is poker. The the buy-in doesn't change the strategy. Um, it might change the structure of the tournament, but right. still, the decisions are. You know decisions so and that's kind of the tricky part about the structure like i just love playing the big tournaments because you know 40 minute levels and yep. deep stack tournaments but you know when the bankroll doesn't allow it you know playing the lowered level tournaments which are you know the, maybe the competition is a little bit easier or whatever poker's poker but you end up you know playing 15 minute blinds and, and that sort of stuff and it becomes it's such a different sort of tournament because you just have to make things happen so much quicker is that how you would sort of articulate? Just is it more of a patience thing that you get by playing the deeper stuff, or you just get more more decisions? I think yeah. in, a, in a different tournament, which is what I like about the higher buy-in and uh, better structured tournaments. Would you do you character characterize yourself as more of a patient player? You wouldn't get into some of the, the levels of you know aggression and stuff. Sure. Are you more of a patient player? Or you're more of a let's make things happen, let's go, let's mix it up. Um, I think I'm I'm patient in the fact that like no matter what my stack is I'm, I'm just trying to make the best decisions so hmm. i'm not like working to you know build my chips up at a certain rate i'm just trying to make the best decision given my stack and so so i, I guess like it could be considered patient and i want to get into that more when we get into this is this whole idea of i want to make the right decision all the time given my stack that's always the the sort of that piece where how much does that influence your decision like um you know, you're, you're in a spot and, you know, it seems like the right decision is, you know, whether it's to, to raise or to fold or whatever it is, but it feels like it should be a different decision depending on your stack size. And, and I think that's something new for, for some players, for newer players. I think that's mm-hmm. something hard to, to grasp. How do, you, how do you keep your eye on sort of the big picture of where are we in the tournament? Where's my stack size? I think you, you tend to, as you're just learning the game, and for me it was just you know five years ago or so, sure. learning the game, but pocket queens is just pocket queens is just pocket queens, and I should just yeah. go. You know, and, and how do you keep your eye on sort of the bigger piece of that? Well, I mean, as far as live poker goes, you have a lot of time in between hands, so you can be thinking about those dynamics constantly. And um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of dead time in poker, so um, instead of like, you know, getting impatient that you're not growing your stack. There's a lot, a lot to think about. Like, like you mentioned, like what, what sort of stage in the tournament am I? What sort of stacks are, are my opponents playing? What am I playing? And uh, is that sort of how you yeah. spend your time in between? Yeah, absolutely. Hands. Yeah. So part of that is, is that part of that is sort of reading your opponents, looking for patterns. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing too. Um, I, I play um almost predominant, almost fully out of live poker, and the reason why. I, I like it a lot more um, is that 
you can like kind of just focus in on, on players and, and uh, try like each hand, even if you're not playing, you can try to learn better what their strategy is and how they're approaching the game. Uh, so um, I think I, I process things slowly. So like, you know, 10 tables at once is tough for me. But, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but so, so when you're thinking about that, Sorry, yeah. this, this interview is going to be across the board because yeah, I, I have questions, but I can't stay linear. Sure. I just, one question leads to the next. Yeah. Um, it's one thing that we talked about recently on a, on a recent version of the, or edition of the Rec Poker podcast. It's something I struggle with is between hands, before a hand, I can think, okay, here's the stage of the tournament. Yeah. I'm, you know, we're close to the bubble. I have a really good, I have a, you know, a decent sized stack. I don't sure. need to get too crazy. Obviously, you're still always looking to chip up. You're still always like making a, you know, uh, looking to make the best decision, but I, the overall scheme of the the structure is like I don't need to make things happen. I can kind of let things emerge. Um, so that's the big picture of the hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the example I use in that is let's say I have pocket threes on the button. All right, somebody sure. raises, and we're deep stacking up. We're like, I'm just going to call here. I know you, whatever you could re-raise, sure. you could do a bunch of things. I decide I'm just going to call, and if I don't hit a three, I'm just done with the hand. Or hit open-ended or something like that. Mm-hmm. I know that you're probably going, this is bad thinking. But it's <laughs> where my thinking is. Um, and then we get into the hand and it's heads up. And the flop is whatever. Just some you know, some random 10, 8, 4 rainbow mm-hmm. sort of flop. And the, the, the pre-flop razor uh, checks. Sure. And it comes to me. And now, even though I had this, this overarching paradigm that I was going to remember, just don't play a big pot unless you have a big hand. Sure. Then it checks to me and I say, oh, okay, I'm going to take a shot at this. You know, so I bet and then he calls. Okay. All right. Then he checks again. I think, okay, he's probably going to draw. I'm going to fire again. What's the, what's the turn? That's important. Well, I know. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I mean, yeah. you, 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 but you know, let's just say it's a queen or something like sure. that. I mean, it clearly could be something in his range. He could have a 10, he could have an overpair, he could have a queen, he could have a draw. You know, not a lot of different things. And I know okay. it matters, and I didn't, I didn't think through the specific example. But I find myself in those spots, like, you know, firing two or three bullets at it and then losing. Okay. And it's, and the question isn't about that hand. I mean, that hand, maybe I played it correctly, maybe I didn't. But it's this idea that I have this overall mindset. I spent this mental energy deciding that I'm going to play a small pot unless I have a big hand in this spot of the tournament. Sure. But then I get into the hand and I just forget all of that. Okay. I mean, I don't. Are there are there tricks? Is that just discipline? And I know. I mean, regardless of whether I played that specific hand right or wrong, okay. just I, I lose sight of the bigger picture. What your original plan was. And all of a sudden, I'm okay. down in there. I'm going, man. Losing half my stack was way more important than gaining another half a stack at this stage. Sure. And I mean, how do you? Are you just? Is it just experience? That you just sort of keep that big picture in mind as you're playing the, the hand? Or is it right to say, you know, once I decided to play the hand, I should just play it and play it hard if I need to? Well. <laughs> I know your poker players, you'll say, well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's always the start of the answer. So in this, like, specific situation that you gave me, um, you said you were close to the bubble. Uh, but you didn't tell me, like, whether... Your opponent had more chips than you, or yeah, they had more chips than me. Okay, let's say that. So, yeah. right or at least away, they could do a lot of damage. Let's say, but they okay, but th- that's a that's a big deal. A lot of damage means they because could chop you down to ten bigs. Ten bigs, you okay. could still squeak into the survival mode. Okay. Um, whereas uh, uh, 
if they have you covered or if they can chop you down to one or two bigs, then that's probably my turn. That's a yeah, a much different okay. dynamic. Um, and yeah, yeah. So, and if you had them covered by quite a bit, then that's that's another dynamic entirely okay. too. Yeah. Uh, so. But let's say let's say they had me covered. Sure. Because I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to play a big pot with this person, but that's part of why I called him pre-flop was but you want to hit your I can, set up yeah, because he's, he's got enough chips where I can, it's actually right. worth making sure. that call. Um. So. But it's just sort of that that bigger. I I I have these bigger things in mind, and then I come into that moment. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it could even be just that you know, it could even be something specific around somebody faces a big bet, and I love to hero call and all this, and I, sure. I kind of, I can lose sight of, okay, I think, I think he's bluffing, you know, I've got ace high, I think I'm good here, and that might be the right decision, but kind of everything else bigger than that decision fades away for me, mm-hmm. such as, what if I make this call and I'm wrong? What does that mean for my tournament? What does that mean for the pay jumps? Mm-hmm. All of that stuff, and so, so I don't know if there's something. If it's just experience, if there's some sort of a mental game, or how, I mean, how do you keep the big picture in mind when you're making those micro decisions? Well, I think the big picture should always just guide, be your guide for the hand. Um, so, I mean, you need to start with the very first thing. The guy opened, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently he has a lot of chips. He has you covered. Uh, yeah. So, and you're approaching the bubble. What do you first? The first question I would ask is. What do you make of its range, regardless mm-hmm. of your hand? Um, um, is it different than his normal opening range? Is, is his sizing different? Like, uh, there's a lot of factors. Right. Um, you, your plan was to you know try to hit your three and, and win the pot. Um, you, you get to the flop. Uh, he starts with a check, and now all of a sudden your plan's kind of changing, and you're wanting to take this pot down. Um, you still have to think about all right, what is his checking range? Um, right. Why? But why did he not continue? Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Is he is he trapping a lot? Is he um, check folding a lot? Is um, is he more? Does he? Do you think he has a lot of check folds and also a lot of check calls? Is he kind of balanced? So you said that maybe that you can make a profit by um, beating his check folds. So you you go ahead and bet. Um, then he check calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nine. His range is morphing. Still like. Is he calling with like his strongest highs, or is he calling with? Is he always paired, or is he always? Does he have a lot of draws in the spot? Right. Is he calling with just random overs? So, I mean, it depends mm-hmm. playing a player. Uh, so. And so, are you actually? I mean, this is the part we we just talk about this on a lot on the podcast. Yeah. When we sit there and break down a hand. We go through all that, like, oh, okay, yeah, well, clearly, yeah. You know, he's been, you know, he's been playing pretty aggressive, been opening a lot of pots, he's shown down a lot of this, sure. you know, I know this, he's got this many chips, I get this many chips, I mean, you know, we kind of break all of that down, Yeah. And then at the end, we, we kind of look at each other and say, yeah, but when it's in the middle of a hand, <laughs> you know, in a $75 tournament, yeah. how much of that are we actually processing? Are you, in something like that, are you able to just, I mean, are you consciously thinking about those things? Is it just coming naturally? Yeah, I, I would say I am for the most part, but there's a lot of times where, like, I'll go, I mean, I'll, I'll review the hand um, with a friend after or mm-hmm. just by myself, and I'll think, oh, this is something that I picked up on, like, in the review that totally 
did missed not, it. Right, missed it. And, and so so that, that kind of thing still happens. So I, I yeah. can see how that would, that would But do you, do you have any sort of a, a logical sequence that you follow? Like, you know, okay, what's the term structure? What's this? How much is he opening? What's his range? What's my range? Is there any sort of a, a like a, a standard sort of mental checklist that you go through in those spots? Or what, I guess another way of saying that, or what are those things that you actually have to think about that aren't currently second nature? Or are you literally able to process what's his range, what's my range, how does my range work against his range? Is he going to um, fold to a three bed? Is he going to, you know, I mean, that's, that's a sure. lot to, you know, for yeah. us, for us wrecks to go through. And so right. part of this is, you know, we wonder, is it just experience or are there certain things that, a checklist of things that we should go through in general, or are there, you know, certain things that should carry more weight than others? Because I look at this and I say, okay, there's a hundred different things I should be considering mm-hmm. and they're going to be offsetting. Some are going to say you should fold. Some are going to say to call. Some are going to say you should, you know, yeah. raise. Which ones should we give the most weight to? And, you know, what are the most important things to actually be thinking about? Because part of the thing I worry about is that I'm wasting all this mental energy thinking about things that really don't matter. Okay. And I'm not thinking about the right things. Okay. Um, so fix my problem. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think that each player kind of has to discover for themselves what the process is. Like, I, um, I wouldn't be very good at describing my own process, and I also don't think, think it would be very helpful to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Like, because the poker's like, uh, like a, a game that each player, you know, um, interprets in a, in a very different way. Uh, so. Uh, I think that uh, what I would say to help that process is um, just you need to work on refining your own process and, and figure out, okay, it was helpful to think about this, this, this. And if that's how you think, like, these are the three things, or mm-hmm. these, are, these are the steps I need to take, then then do that. Um, but in addition to that, it, it's also very helpful to listen to other people and kind of um, whether that's like training videos or, or friends mm-hmm. and hear like what their process is and um, think how you can adjust how you can put some some of like what, what they do well in, into right. into your own thinking process yeah um, can you give me an insight like, like what are are there some things that you feel like that's something that you're like uh, intentionally thinking about during a hand like because it sounds like a lot of yours kind of naturally flowing are there certain things like is it is it range or is it player type that you're intentionally reminding yourself to think about? Well, I think just the basic details of the hand are really important. So, I mean, each pot, I think about all right, what's what's in the middle? Like blinds are twelve thousand, twenty four thousand with the four thousand any. Mm-hmm. Calculate the pot size right, right from the get go. Which helps the your math guy. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then. The action starts. Maybe the un- under the gun player opens um, to two x or something like that. Then immediately, you know, start thinking about. You have a running total of the pot size. Right, right, yeah, running yeah. total. That's important. Um, and also, uh, like what their range could be like in that spot. So just every decision. Um, that's why I like line is because you can see every decision that happens and. Um, so, so when the guy opens to 2x or sure. whatever it is, when you say, okay, I wanna, I'm want i wondering what his range is, I'm thinking about what his range is, are you actually thinking, <laughs> see, these are the questions that most of us, that, that we have, like, are you actually thinking, okay, I think this is, 
Ace nine or better, probably any pair. Any, I mean, are you going through that sort of thing, or are you generally saying, you know, I think he's opening the top fifteen percent of hands, or are you generally thinking, okay, I just know he's this type of a player, and mm-hmm. I will consider that later. I just know against that type of a player, I'm more prone to be able to three bet or less prone to be able to three bet. I mean, are you are you actually thinking about a hand range at that point? Um. Well. I kind of think in generalities, like yeah. running on the table, it's hard to think specific. Sure. I, I mean, I think about specific hands, but I, I, like, like I'll think, all right, this is the general range that uh, a player would use. Is this player leaning tighter or is he leaning looser? Um, okay. And, but when you say general range, are you thinking actual like hand combinations? Or are you thinking like top fifteen? Or are you thinking about just sort of like a player type? This guy generally loose. I think he's going to go tighter. I mean, well, I think about like. I guess the, the the GTO range or the game theory optimal range yeah. to use in that spot. And I just think like how is this player adjusted to that? Are they opening GTO? Or are they opening tighter or looser? Okay. Or kind of a warped range, I guess. So you do a lot of GTO. Is that sort of how you classify yourself as a player? Or? Um, I I'd say I have a good a good general grasp of GTO, okay. but okay. I, I wouldn't say that I'm like super studious when it comes to it okay but so so what i'm hearing though is you're thinking of a player in this position in this stage of the tournament or whatever sure. uh, the gto range or whatever range you want to define there's there's some sort of a benchmark range sure. for opening in that spot yeah uh, whether you think about that in terms of specific hands or top 15 percent or however you think about that there's some yeah. benchmark range and then i think this player is tending to be tighter or looser than that and that's sort of good enough yeah. to start. Yeah. Because then you might have that, callers and re-raises and all that stuff. Yeah. So that's sort of generally how you, that's how it starts. Okay. Yeah. Then it gets around to you. And now you're thinking, what? Are you, are you, sorry, are, are you processing almost like what a, what your play would be before you look at your hand? Um, or are you do you look at your hand and then say okay how does that compare? I mean what I, I be, the reason I asked is because I used to process much more before I looked at my hand like is this a good opportunity to raise or not? Mm-hmm. And then I look at my hand and it may not even matter. I might you know whatever. Um, and now I'm more of a good look at my hand and try to compare that range to that range. Mm-hmm. How how much are you actually thinking about before it actually before you look at your hand? I'm thinking about like what general range I'd want to continue with and what. Uh... Like, I'm thinking about all right, what what hands might I want to put into a three bet range, or what hands might I want to put into a call range, and what hands am I tossing? Um, so every hand, you're really thinking about that before you looked at your hand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I I guess uh, one trick that I use is I always I just look at one card instead of mm. um, oh uh, to kind of like give me a general sense of what I like kind of. Prime, okay. it, it primes me because it's it's hard to think of all the possibilities. Right, right. That's why I started looking at my hand earlier now because it's like I right. don't know. It's, it seems like a right. lot of energy to spend. It's it's hard to just when it gets to you, look at your hand and then boom, process. So you pick up maybe you look at a seven, sure, and you automatically know okay if the other one's a seven, I'm going to continue. If it's eight or six, I might can you know whatever that kind of sure thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, and how I might be planning to continue too. So. Okay, interesting. So, so yeah, I, I, I do see the, the argument in that it is a lot to process, like when mm-hmm. it gets to you and to look at your cards and make the best decision. Yeah. Um, so 
I guess kind of doing that within the flow of the game is important. Okay. Yeah, especially if you're playing, I think, you know, these $30 tournaments with 12-minute levels, yeah. it's hard to sit there and, okay, I'm not going to look at my cards. Right. And then, you know, as soon as you're going to process all this, then I'm going to spend a minute, you know, right. thinking <laughs> through. It just feels, you know, almost, you know, lack of etiquette there. When you're, right, absolutely. You know, if you're like, dude, let's go. You've just spent <laughs> 10% of the level on your this one right. decision with right. your 9-7 or whatever. Okay. Well, that's that's super helpful. I mean, just that kind of that kind of tangible stuff because I think what I've encountered when I talk to poker players that are super experienced, um, you're too young to be super experienced, but for your age, you're super experienced. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think there's a lot that you take it for granted. And I even realize that now. Now that I've been playing five years and I talk to a new person about it, I realize, man, they really don't know anything. You know, mm -hmm. um, Just because you, you take for granted how much you're actually processing. Mm -hmm. But then there's those of us that are still feel like we're learning the game like, Okay, well, slow down, time out. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that go into that that you're just kind of taking for granted probably now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, like, it, it's easy to get frustrated when somebody takes, you know, more than five seconds in a pre-flop decision. Right. Um, but, I mean, maybe this, this is one of their first live tournaments or right. ready to jump in buy-in or something. And, and so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's processing at a different, different level. So you're a big fan of William Kasuf, then? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. How big? How great was that hand where you lost aces against kings? <laughs> were you were you a Kasuf fan, or were you? I I don't know. I, I'm... For those of you who don't know, we're talking about the World Series of Poker <laughs> main event. William Kasuf was I mean a high energy, high whatever personality. Where you seems like you would take forever to make decisions and kind of berate people when they were trying to make a decision. And yeah, I. I like the table talk element that he brought okay. to the game. Um, Do you think he was actually getting good information out of that? I mean, that was just William Kasuf's process that, yeah. <laughs> that we witnessed. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, maybe it's what he does to make himself comfortable yeah. and, and make okay. decisions. So, I think that's fine. The, the tanking uh, does seem like a bit of a lack of etiquette. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that's the part I'm referring. Like the, right. the table talk, it seemed like even like if people would just say, "I don't want you to talk," I think he, I think he would have stopped talking. Yeah, I don't, you know, but <laughs> the tanking where it seemed like everybody was getting really agitated. Right, right, yeah. Or do you feel like that's part of the, but that's part of the mental game is to get inside people's heads and. Um. I, it might be. It's not really something that. Yeah, I'm it just feels like it crossed the line a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, I generally want people around me to be having fun and, <laughs> right. so I, I mean I like it to be a good atmosphere so yeah so. well and kind of kind of along that lines too again which which all over the place yeah. one of the, one of my pet peeves and maybe you can address this or at least get your thoughts on this is there's, there's players like myself that play you know up to the hundred dollar tournaments pretty comfortably you know like I like playing those and then once in a while we'll play the 280s that kind of thing. And then rarely, you know, you play the 500 or $1,000, sure. you know, buy-in. And um, I bet it's probably 60 to 70% of the time that I've played the 500s and up, and maybe even the 280s. Um, there, there's some stage in the tournament or a couple stages in the tournament where I'm berated. For, where you for are my, berated. Where I am berated for my play. Sure. Um, Which is you know, totally against... Yeah, like like either... Yeah, like, like either, you know, I'll place you know king queen or something when maybe i should have folded to a three better i mean maybe i should have folded sure i'm, I'm not you know and then i went a pot and how can you play that it's yeah. so stupid you know i hate when these these dumb players are playing these big tournaments and that kind of thing or i'll, I'll ask somebody for a chip count because they're sort of hiding their sure. their chips and i'm not 
I can't, I don't have the emotional energy to, to remember everybody's chip count all sure. the time. Yeah. So I tend to wait until I'm, I mean, I have a general idea. But when I'm in a hand that seems like that's a factor. Absolutely. And it might be a tell because I'm <laughs> asking the chip count. But but either way, like I just ask and I get berated. Oh, what does it matter? Just play your hand. And I, I don't notice that in the weekday, you know, the $75 tournaments. Yeah. But I play these bigger tournaments. And it's a long way of saying um, what I keep hearing from the poker community at large is we want to build these games. We want to get more people playing. Absolutely. absolutely. And I've had so many people in my spot where you play these bigger tournaments and you're berated. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I'm not going to play that again. I'm doing this for fun. I want to win money. But I, you know, I, I don't expect yeah. to win $100,000. I'm playing this because it's sort of the ultimate for me. This is my World Series of Poker main event. That's $1,100 buy-in. Right. And I go there and berated and... Um, or at minimum, you know, nobody's friendly at all. And I don't expect people to be super chatty, but like even grumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's so bad for the game. And yeah. I, but, I, but I don't know. Should I, should I be... How, how do I view that? Or what, what's the message to the poker community in that? I mean, do you see that? Do you have thoughts on that? Well, I think it's really unfortunate when like people are berated for any sort of play because... I mean, that's the great part of poker is that you can make your decisions how you want to right. and you can play your hand how you want to and nobody should, should like, mm-hmm. you know, feel bad about however they want it, they choose to play. And, right. Um, and if I made a mistake, isn't that a good thing? Don't you want me to keep playing? <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> I mean, right. So, but, um, so I think when people, like, berate others for that kind of thing, it's more like their frustration mm-hmm. with how things are going or with um I, I guess that's the biggest thing is yeah. maybe they're a little bit tilted and like a small thing can can um make them you know mm-hmm. voice that in like a negative way so yeah and, and i know that's the motivation i, I don't think it honestly is personally directed at no. me because i don't think i'm that kind of a person where people see me and hate me or something <laughs> but right. but uh, but it is sort of a it's something to keep in mind i think for players that it's not you're not helping anybody you're not growing the game when most of us are doing this as our hobby yeah i used to fish you know now i play poker yeah <laughs> and it actually kind of pays for itself but i'm doing it as a hobby and you you right. want me to play those tournaments where i'm all overmatched mm-hmm. you know i think mean, people like you would <laughs> say man yes steve come play you should play <laughs> all of these tournaments you know um so i think it's just something to keep in mind and i think Maybe for the people that are like me that are out there, like what you said, that's good wisdom. Just remember it's not personal. It's just people frustrated. Like we all get frustrated when we lose a big hand right. or that kind of thing. But it, it, I don't think it's good for the good for the game no, overall. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so I guess you could speak out or if you see it happening. But Yeah. Or... I, I mean, I have said, I've said that at the table. I said I just, you know, I wait a little while. So I just want you to know. I mean, I maybe have made the biggest mistake that I could make and – Whatever, but just you know what you what, how you're treating me is not right. making me want to come back and play these. And frankly, I'm the kind of player that you should want to come back and play these. Right, and it's hard to be that like you know eloquent at the table. Right, that's why I wait a little while and, <laughs> but, and that sort of thing. But, but but I mean, even if you see it happening to somebody oh. else, it's good to, oh. to speak up. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not not the greatest at that either, but but I mean, yeah, it is a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to... Let me shift gears a little bit. So I just want to look... I was looking at the Hendon Mob. Yeah. So I'm like, holy cow. I know you're young and I know you've been accomplished, but you've had a pretty good run here. Uh, I was looking back a little bit back to like the August of last year. And I see, okay, uh, so you win Event 32 of the Midwest Poker Classic. 
Yes. You, you probably don't remember this. Like you win yeah. so many tournaments, no. like I don't even know. But going back to like last August, you you know you you win that thing for like thirty three thousand. You you take third in Sioux Falls, mm-hmm. uh, the HPT. You, you cash there in twenty ninth in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the I guess in February the World Series of Poker Circuit event in Milwaukee. You took sixteenth, and now just recently uh, fourth place in the the MSPT here in at Running Aces. Yeah, for twenty three k. So, or whatever, 23K and change or whatever that was. I mean, I'm looking at it. That's a pretty nice run. Yeah, if you play long enough, you'll if get you, runs like oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> come on, no. But no, I mean, I, you said you don't play a ton. Like, are you playing a tournament a week or a couple tournaments a week or sort of how? Um, I, I play the weekends. Like, the weekends are generally when the bigger tournaments yeah. are. So um, that's more when I'll play. But, you're playing pretty much every weekend there's something somewhere that you go to yeah yeah but like this last weekend i didn't play um so you won't play like just the local deep stacks if there's nothing else uh usually not, not sometimes i will but okay usually not so um, it seems like a pretty good run then for a guy that's playing weekends yeah yeah okay <laughs> and i was looking like like um okay so i know the, the the global poker index and how all that works and i know you're not a you know you're you're a humble guy so i'm looking at this and it says joe bernard gpi rank 418 yeah, that, that's pretty that's, good, <laughs> right? That is pretty exciting. I, that is something that I strive to, you know, improve on, and it's a, it's a good, you know, carrot to chase. <laughs> so that means, you know, however, you know, they obviously they don't count everything or whatever. So some of your stuff isn't in here, and some other people's stuff isn't in here. But the way that I interpret that is the way that the global poker index, global poker index, at this point in time, so that you're the 418th best player in the world right now. Uh, I guess for live tournaments. For, for live tournament poker, <laughs> yeah. right? That's pretty cool. Right? <laughs> how, how high have you gotten on that? I mean, you actually... I think this is the is it? Okay. that's ever gotten. Okay, right yeah. after the MSPT the score. MSPT and, helps. Anyway, sure. so congratulations on the oh, thank you. The recent run and your 52nd in Minnesota all-time yeah. money. How old are you? Um, 26. Jeez. <laughs> okay. So I've got some work to do to catch you. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, so just, just wanted to throw that out there. But if, as you look back, are there any any of those moments, whether in the last year or two or, beyond, or you know earlier, that are really like... Stand out as kind of your favorite poker moments, or that you're most proud of, or. Um, well, I think winning the event at Aces was um, was a moment I was really I'm really happy to look back on. Um, uh, I mean, I, I haven't like outright won a tournament, uh, so I, I think that's the first time that I outright won a tournament on on the Heaven Mob. Cool, um, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, coming up after a lot of second place finishes, and I have like my my progression as a poker player and like my poker career has has gone through running aces a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I first started playing live, uh, I I used to actually I didn't have my driver's license. I was like twenty years old. I used to bike <laughs> from St. Paul was to running aces oh, to, no to way. play the dailies. Like fifteen miles or what? It's uh, like, thirty miles. Thirty miles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's so awesome. That's such a good story. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I always like playing there. I see some of the faces, like, same faces and same people. Yeah. And, and, and I used to, like, grind too hard there. So it's it's very, like, comfortable and good place for me to play. So if you're biking 30 miles, you have good incentive to play your A game. Right. <laughs> if you're going <laughs> yeah, to do that. I'm not doing that anymore. But, um, you get halfway and you realize you forgot your Aces cards. you got to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think other than that, the... Um, the the DraftKings fifty fifty um where I finished tenth I 
uh, my my roommate at, at for this summer was Aaron Johnson. Aaron Johnson, oh, okay. and uh, he finished twelfth. So that was a really fun experience to both go super deep and talk. Uh, no, that's a World Series of Poker bracelet event. Yep. And what they did is they they pay so half the field caches. So I think it was a one time thing that they did. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, was, so that specific event was half. Okay, if you finish in the fiftieth percentile and up, uh, you're guaranteed a thousand dollars. What was the buy-in? Uh, Fifteen hundred. Okay. Okay. If you finish twenty-fifth uh, to tenth percentile, you get fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. And if you tenth percentile to on up is uh, like a normal tournament. Okay. Like escalating. Okay, and you guys finished tenth and twelfth. Yep. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the payday on that one? Uh, well, because of its payout structure, it was a little bit decided, but I think it was like uh, twelve, eleven, or twelve k. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, it was a fun ride. You guys get a little last longer going there when you get down to like two or three tables? Or? Uh, not on that one. But. Aaron has this way. I've played with him en- enough to know that just, he has this way of just lasting. Lasting. Yeah. And I just, I, I'm amazed. I've learned a lot. He, he would never even know this. Yeah. But I've learned so much by watching him play, you know, yeah. and not just and re- the way that I look at it. I don't know how he, how he looks at it. But just looking at it, like you know, the, the equity that he still has in this his stack, yeah. And I'm still prone to doing this, hopefully less than I used to. But just sort of just, all right, let's go. You know, I got 15 right. bigs. We just gotta go. Just gotta go. <laughs> you know, instead of really waiting for a good spot and then right. being willing to put it in. So I've learned a lot from watching this game. Yeah. That way. Well, that's that's pretty. When was that? Was that a couple years ago? I think that was uh, June 2015. Okay. So when you look at your game, what what are those things that you would say you do really well? Compared to you know maybe other people that you see around you, uh, I think I, I just like uh, I just like seeing what other people do at the poker table. Um, I just like kind of trying to piece together what other people's strategies are, um, and uh, I mean at, at a poker table you you probably see me talking very much but mm-hmm. i think that's just my general nature is i like to listen more than i like to talk so i, I just like to you know kind of experience and, and and learn what other people are doing and then uh you know try to find out what i should be doing to combat that so, so. can you give me an example of that i don't want to give away your strategy sure. like when you say i'm piecing together somebody's strategy i think for some of us that are in this experience we might just say oh, okay they're pretty loose aggressive mm-hmm. whatever i mean are, what does that mean for you when you say I'm kind of putting together their strategy? Well, like every decision that the, a person makes at a poker table, um, just the nuts and bolts decision, like opening, um, like I, I'm also very obsessed with details, uh, but like just their open sizing. Um, maybe, so maybe at a, a 2000 big blind, they'll mostly open to 4,500. Mm-hmm. Or um, and sometimes they'll they'll mix it up like well, what what does that change what mm-hmm. um, and I, I like just trying to it keeps me engaged in the hand it's trying to figure out what that is and um, most of the time it's like little things like that that I don't know what it means but I like to try to at least make an effort to figure out what it is so you're able to kind of put that away and then bring that up later yeah when you see it again yeah so your memory must be really good. Yeah, as far as poker, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's one of the things that um, that I've struggled with too, because I don't have that same memory. Like, um, I can maybe when I was twenty six, maybe, yeah. but I can I can notice people doing something like, okay, they've been raising to two and a half x, now they went to four, mm-hmm. 
wow, okay. And then it goes to showdown, and you see back at 10s. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I put that away. Then I forget it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, for some of that, I just, I just can't overcome that. I don't think there's a, a miracle drug, and I don't think there's any sort of trick I can do. I just don't have that. But I think if you have that gift of memory, mm-hmm. those are the kind of things that could be huge, right? Mm-hmm. So later in the tournament, you see the 4X. Yeah. You know, and an overcard comes, or, you know, at least gives you some insight, right? Sure. That's how you'd use it yeah, yeah. later on? I think so. And um, maybe if you see pocket 10s that one time, I went like, Yeah, you can't say it's 10s, but, I mean, right. but you have some idea of, right. you know, maybe a, a middle pair or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and maybe you can piece together. <laughs> must know. be 10s. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Every time you see the 4X, it's 10s. Right. Um, but, like, maybe there'll be other uh, context clues within the hand that yeah. will help you. It just feels like together. so much. Like as a as a beginner, it right. just feels like so much. Like okay, they raised to four x instead of three x, but this time they were sure. in middle position instead of early position. And there was a limper, and this time there wasn't a sure. limper, and this time it was you know an aggressive player open in front of them. And you know, it just it, it feels like so much. Yeah. And you know, and that's part of this question is like, are you guys really <laughs> as a, as a top level player in Minnesota? Are you guys actually processing all of that? Or um, the way I think about it is I, at my advanced age, only have so much emotional energy to put into the game sure. and still have it be fun. Right, right. And knowing I can't even remember half the stuff, like, what are the things I should really pay attention to? Is it bet sizing? Is it hand ranges? Is it their style of play? You know, and it, maybe you can't answer that, but just sort of that's what... I, I just look at this when we break down a hand and say, yeah. okay, now we're talking about, okay, are they, are they raising to 2.5x or 3x? And mm-hmm. like, wow, the, the, it's amazing to me that you can process that. Sure. But if we don't have that capability or that much experience, is that something, you know, what, what, gives, what should we give the weight to, I guess? I guess <laughs> how I would answer that is I would, I would say... I guess whatever makes sense to you to give the weight to. Yeah. Um, I, I think it depends player to player. But Are you in politics? <laughs> no, I, I think, um, okay, so I think all the details are important, mm-hmm. but you won't catch like every single detail, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think figuring out like what details like help you make your the, the best decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like those. So something like that, let's just say... So let's say I think it's important to pay attention to bet sizing. And frankly, in the tournaments I play, it might not be as important. Yeah. Because I'm not sure people really know what they're doing. I mean, with bet sizing. Right. Pre-flop, maybe. Because, you know, what I see is the extreme. The guys min-raise when they have aces or they go 6x when they have aces or have pocket aces. Yeah. So those are the obvious ones that you can call sure. out there. But other than that, like, I, I think, okay, well, the, he's been betting half, half pot, you know, on the flop. And now he went a third pot. Well, if, if I, part of that decision is, do they, are they even realizing that? Mm-hmm. Or are they just putting in the numbers that they have because they didn't they really have change, so they just put in what they had? You know, I think the higher dollar tournaments, that's more intentional. Um, let's see. I would, I would say, no matter what they do, even if it's like, even if it's seemingly random or. Mm-hmm. They did it, so there was a thought process behind it, and um, I guess um, for me, you don't have to know exactly what it means, mm-hmm. but 
you just observe it and it's another little thing that can help you make decisions. And just trust that it's somehow yeah. your brain is integrating that into a future right. decision <laughs> and you can call up when so magically well and there's people that are part of our, our rec poker thing, you know, Taylor Moss, Rob Wash and those guys out there yeah. that have that I think ability to remember more. But no, that's good. I think that's I think that's a good tip and I think that is something you see lacking from especially the really low buy in tournaments. People are just not paying attention at all. Sure. You know, so that's where I think my edge largely comes in. Uh-huh. But it's they just, are making decisions. They are making decisions, absolutely. Process but they're not necessarily, it. I think the edge is that they're not necessarily watching other people's decisions. Sure. Or, you know, they're not going, oh, they're not paying attention to what I'm betting, mm-hmm. which is, can be good or bad too, because I know I can't rely on that later when I want to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's what you do well, sort of observing, paying attention to I people. Think so. Yeah. That sort of thing. Uh, is, is there anything that you've been, without giving away in all your secrets, but anything that lately you've really been trying to work on? Or is that even how these top-level guys like you, is that how you even approach it? Like, um, Sorry, I'm asking a question and then answering it. But sure. um, for some of us, we're saying, okay, I just want to – I went through a stage right? I just needed to, to start getting three betting into my toolbox. Okay. Or, you know, that kind of thing. I've seen to start working on hand ranging, really. So I, I kind yeah. of been working on one thing at a time. Is, is that sort I of, think of I, that you I do, do the, the same, same sort of thing? Okay, yeah. So you, you find out, okay, where's either a, a leak or a, mm-hmm. a, an area for improvement and say, okay, I'm going to play my regular game, but I'm also going to work on this. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. Can you give away, you don't, have to, <laughs> you don't have to say what you're working on now, but maybe in the past, some things that you've, um, some steps that you feel like you've taken of intentional improvement. Yeah, I I mean, some of the things that you mentioned, um, working three betting into my game and working it, like figuring out what spots so if a tournament and um, uh, and, um, and, and then like you can work on like very fundamental things like uh, your opening ranges and um, uh, your defending from the big blind ranges. Uh, so there's a lot of fundamental things and then there's also like a lot of mental aspects of the game that you can work on and um but so i guess the, the base question was uh what am i doing right now yeah but, i'd love to if you're willing to share <laughs> sure. <I'd love> to... <laughs> um, and let me take notes <laughs> but um let's see so right now um well i I'm always like asking questions and kind of questioning like how I've like played a hand, um, um, no matter like when it happens. So, mm-hmm. so I, I basically review every single hand that like I participate in, um, whether just myself or like with the help of a friend or something. Um, uh, but that's like a continual thing. Uh, one thing I'm trying to get better at is uh, traveling and playing well, um, and I think. Uh, like walking into a, a new place um, you don't like see the same it's it's just a different experience mm-hmm. so mentally uh, like and you're, there's a lot of new players that you have to learn so there's a lot of like mental energy that has to go into playing well um, so I've been kind of trying to figure out like how, how can I work on that part mm-hmm. of my game because you're staying, often you're staying in a hotel. Right. So there's a different dynamic. You're not sleeping in your own bed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So can I ask, like, what what does that look like? Is that... Um, so for me, a couple of tricks is started meditation, and that, that helps a lot. Um, and 
is that something you only do when you're on the road or that's something that's part of your regular I, I do life it, now? I do it continuously, but it, okay. it, it helps um, on the road, I think. Um, Why do you think it helps on the road? Is that more because it's bringing kind of similarity or, or consistency or something like that? Or does it just helps you avoid distractions? Or what do you think that, how do you think that helps? Maybe even in general terms. Um, I hear a lot of poker players that have gotten on the road, you know, adding meditation to their sure. to their daily life. I think um, I think it comes down to like reducing like stress and anxiety, um, and I think that gets in the way of making like good decisions mm -hmm. a lot. It's like especially on the poker, like when you're playing poker, you might get like that adrenaline rush, and mm -hmm. then you're you're thinking your your logical brain shuts off, and right. you make a bad decision. You're working on your amygdala all of a sudden, right. fight or flight, let's yeah. go. <laughs> Which my amygdala gets hijacked all the time in poker. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that. <laughs> Like when you travel, I think that um, can happen easier because right? it's like a new situation. Mm -hmm. You aren't comfortable like, playing at Canterbury Park or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, do so. So, can I surmise that you're sort of doing that while you're at the table as well at certain times, or or no? I mean, is it if you sense yourself getting yeah. agitated, is it, or do you have, do you have whether it's meditation or some some things that you do to calm <laughs> yourself down, or is well, it outside of the table? It is outside the table, okay. but um, also one one trick that I, I, I tried at this last Milwaukee trip is I started wearing earplugs when I, I played. Um, Not earphones, earplugs? Earplugs. Okay. Um, I, I could still hear the action and, yep. and hear everything, but I could also kind of hear myself breathe and hear my heartbeat and mm. just that like... Uh, the rhythmic, yeah, you know, the rhythm of... Yeah, just, just that like you know, hearing output would, would calm me down in certain spots and kind of, you know, let me get back to things. Interesting. Uh, clearly. Plus it gives a nice message to people that, hey, I don't really want to chat. Well, <laughs> well no, I mean, not to be rude, but there's some, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. So it's not something that like I'll try to do much in Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a, well, I, mean, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm, I'm more of a chatter at the table if it's, if people are willing to chat. Yeah. The low dollar tournaments, we all get to know each other, that sort yeah, of thing. Absolutely. But there are times where I'll, I'll have headphones just because I just want to send a message. I'm not trying to be rude. I just... I don't want to chat now. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I don't think so. Yeah. As long as you can kind of hear the dealer. Yeah. <laughs> it's the guys that have the headphones in that, like, right. every time the dealer says something, what? You're like, all right. Yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. No, that's good. Anything else as far as that you've been working on that you want to, as far as your game goes? or um, Tell me exactly what you do in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess just recently I've been, I reviewed the final table. That I played for the MSB. It was yeah. my first like uh, broadcast with a uh, you know somebody talking. Um, mm -hmm. so, Even though they were pretty much talking about other stuff. Well, they, they talked <laughs> they about, about some of it. <laughs> yeah. I was watching that you know because I had a vested interest in you. Oh yeah. You know the audience doesn't know that, so I sold you my. That's right. My seat. <laughs> so I got through the qualifier, and I'm not. I'm not. Uh, uh, I don't. Ha I'm not. I don't have enough confidence in my game right now to play the 1100. So I, I sold it to. Sold it to Joni. I told you it was a lucky seat. And <laughs> you did well with it. Yep. So, but no, I was watching the final table. It was super fun to, to hear that. So, okay, so that's the one thing you just kind of watch and see. Is it because, see, I'm narcissistic enough where I would watch myself just because I'd like to see myself. Oh, I like that. Because, <laughs> you know, running Aces used to always have the final tables on, on Twitch and they'd have YouTube and they'd stop doing yep. that. I'm like, I used to love doing that. But part of that is then you can see the other hands. Yeah, but, but part of that is your development of learning maybe what other people's take would be on the situation or... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And you also, 
it's a rare thing in poker to like be able to see how you are reacting to, For sure. to certain situations and like am i giving off physical tells am i like how's my posture in certain situations? And did uh, you see anything for yourself? You don't have to say in certain. Yeah, absolutely. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's true. <laughs> I know I've you know I, pretty much on the rec poker. I told you this off air that I pretty much just tell everybody how I play so you can all play uh, perfectly against me. <laughs> uh, I was I was in a hand with Alberto and some of you guys know Alberto and mm-hmm. uh, he uh, he made a big bet on the river against me and I called him and I would call him like ace high or bottom pair. He told me, he said, I just made that big bet because I know you like the hero call from the podcast. So one of my downfalls, I tell everybody, you know, how I play on there. But the things that I've been working on is I, I do tend, and I, and I know this is a bad thing, but I, I tend to give the little speech when I have the big hand. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And, I don't know, and the guy who told me one time, I folded because he made the speech. I'm like, and I didn't tell him he was right, but it's like, yeah. he was right. Yeah. So it's funny. If you could see a lie, then you could actually really pick up on that, I would think, mm-hmm. and work on that sort of stuff, too. So if, you, if you're thinking about, and we're we're getting close to time, I appreciate sure. your time, Joe. Yeah. Seriously, this is... Yeah, thanks for having me. And people don't realize that we got a chance to talk beforehand, too. So yeah. <laughs> this, this is fantastic for me. Uh, one of the cool things, as an aside, I just, as I've gotten more involved in the poker community through Rec Poker and All for Africa and just playing more, man, you meet some good people at the poker table. So yeah. we talked a little bit about people being gruff and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But man, for the by and large, it's a pretty yeah. cool community to be part of. Absolutely. Yeah. But one of the things um, I wanted to ask you about is... Um, and we haven't talked a lot of strategy here, and you know, hopefully people are okay with that. But th- this is a good insight. But like newer players, as as well, maybe there's, there's a two part question. Sure. Um, because you play bigger do- dollar buy-ins than most of us, you're not going to s- see this as much. But like, what are the most common mistakes you think you see people making when you see mistakes? And I guess related to that is, you know, newer players or lower buy-in players. What are those things that you think just Pay most attention to this. If you can master this, and maybe those are two different questions, but I think they're somehow related. If you were to say, if you could just master this, you know, these couple things, you're going to be, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to be at least an average player because below average players make mistakes based on those sure. things. I, I would say, um, I guess just focus on your pre-flop decisions um, and just focus on learning like what to do and and um and from different spots of the table what your what your strategy is uh, pre-flop and and that's just like a small thing that hmm. like you can if you can really nail that down then that'll help a lot and by that what what are what are the key factors that are included in that obviously your own hand range right right understanding the other the opponent's hand range right. and, and then how those two intersect is that sort of it or what yep um and also like a lot of I guess newer players like do a lot of limping, and um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's like necessarily like uh, detrimental strategy. But also, but just think about like, okay, why am I limping? Um, what, what are the reasons behind it? I think some some player newer players might limp because they don't want to risk too much without like you know having a made hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you see that a lot in the low. I mean, that's a, the big difference between going from small to big is you know you play the small dollar pipe. Just like you know, you know dealers and like, Okay, we got seven players in this spot. You know, yeah. it's all limped, and because it just entices everybody else to. And sure. uh, I just played a tournament the other day where um, you know limp, 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 and I get you know gets like to the cutoff and sure. like I don't know what I had. You know, jack seven or something. I just make a big raise. You know, whatever, and then you know, somebody somebody calls. You know, whatever, and they ended up having ace king, uh-huh. and they'd already had like three limpers in front of them. And I'm sure. like, well, you just never see that in the 
yeah. higher by in tournament where somebody wants to play Ace King seven handed. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe it's a good move. I don't know, but it's like okay, you're just like okay, what are we playing here? Totally different game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so players will work on that. Just really pre-flop strategy. What should you be playing? Why are you in the hand? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the way that I would think about that is yeah, why are you putting money in? Yeah. What's what's the point? What are you actually trying to accomplish here by putting money voluntarily right. into the pot? Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. So as you look at your game, is there anything that you're saying, man, I just, you know, here's the things that I really want to work on myself? Um, or that, or, or, or do you have, sorry, I, I ask a question that I don't let you answer, but, or in terms of, I mean, are there like poker mentors that you have or people that you watch and you say, okay, they're doing something that in an element of the game that I really want to add to my game, which is another way of asking, you know, or how do you learn outside of, you know, playing and, you know, breaking down your own hands? Are there books or people that you sort of emulate mm-hmm. without giving away or too much? Well, I, I, I try to learn as much as I can at the table. And if I see so, something I like that somebody else is doing, I try to, I mean, fit that into my yeah. game if I can. Um, playing at the World Series is like, I played the whole summer last year and, um, I remember playing with uh, like Niall Farrell and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mustafa Kamid and a lot of like really like top-notch players and just kind of seeing how they approach the game hand-to-hand um, and uh, like just what they're saying to other players and like what, what um, I, I like doing that with everybody but mm-hmm. like, like um, also like looking at like good players. Um, uh, as far as poker mentors, um, We've already talked about him, but uh, um, Aaron Johnson is my travel buddy, and yeah. I, I've learned a lot like talking with him. And uh, he hears endless hand histories from me, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we benefit a lot from you know discussing those kind of things. So okay, yeah. Cool. So so if I were to we'll, we'll end or we unless you have anything else that you want to add, uh-huh. but uh, <laughs> I could sit here all day literally honestly. But you know so so we end. I, what I'm curious is from how your brain works on something like this. I'm going to throw out a hand situation, and I just there, I'm going to give you very limited information. Sure. What I'd like to hear is what is the, what's the first thing that pops in your mind as far as the first question that should be asked. Well, why are you giving me limited information? Because I want to see, like, what what's the number one thing that you think is missing? Okay. okay. There, you sure. know what I mean? There's a ton of stuff missing, and this is part of, like, sort of waiting. Or give me, like, the, the top questions that you would have that you think, okay, I, I, you know, what's the main thing I absolutely can't answer this question without this information? Sure. Okay. So I didn't, I'm just making this up on the fly, which is kind of what I do. Yeah. Um, all right. You're, uh, let's see. You're in the small blind. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a open, there's a call, and there's a re-raise, and it comes to you and you have ace king. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the? I mean, obviously that's incredibly limited information. <laughs> but what what are the biggest things that, that you absolutely say? Okay, I absolutely can't even I can't even think about this question without this information. All right. <laughs> What game are we playing? <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. I only play Texas Hold'em right, tournaments, right, sure. so let's start there. Okay. Yeah. Um, but stack sizes. Um, is, that, is that the biggest that, thing? That's the first thing that kind of Really? That's so interesting. Yeah. 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 Like you said, like people don't like to cover their chips and they don't like yeah. to be bothered, but but it's super important for making decisions. Okay. Um, yep. Well, for, I know it's important. That's interesting. That would be the first. Okay. Yeah. What else? What else? The... Well, what was the open size? Uh-huh. Um, 
But let me ask you, though. Okay, so, so you said stack sizes. What difference does it make? I mean, people that I talk to, people that I play with would say, what difference? You have ace-king. What difference does it make? <laughs> this is the, you know, I mean, honestly. Yeah. What, okay, so, so stack sizes. So what, tell, break that down for me. Well, I mean, it's a big difference if you're playing, um, you know, at the beginning of a tournament, 400 big blinds deep. You're not looking to get ace king in yep. pre flop um, versus maybe you're playing, um, you know, 30 blinds deep and there's an aggressive dynamic where the, the guy might be squeezing a lot. It's, it's a much different. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. And there's everything in between that too. Yeah, okay, yep. But I think that's, that's an important thing, especially for the new players out there. Don't, don't just, you can't just look at your hand. Yeah. Say, oh, I got jacks. Of course I'm going to go. Well, there's a lot of different dynamics. Yeah, there's that, a lot of information. They go into play there. Yeah. Okay. What, what else sort of stands out? I mean, how, how much do you think about, I guess, you know, the player type? You just mentioned that. Is this an aggressive dynamic? Is this somebody that's, you know, is this person opening a lot and this person is squeezing a lot? Mm-hmm. That's part of the consideration. Yeah. I assume. Now, is that when you would see that much action, are you thinking about hand ranges at that point? Or are you still... Yeah, you, yeah. So you're just, bang, you just, you're processing it as you go on. Because I, I think from an emotional energy perspective or a mental energy perspective, sometimes it's like, I'm not really paying attention until I look at my hand and then it's like, okay, now i got to backtrack. <laughs> oh, geez. What did they have? Because, you know, I mean, I actually have a hand. i got to consider sure. it. But you're saying, you're sort of from, from, the, from the first card down... You're going, okay, this is how much is in the middle. Yeah. This person just opened, and they're opening some kind of range. This person called. They're probably on some sort of range. This person re-raised. They're in this sort of a range. You're doing all that regardless of what you have. You've maybe looked at your card and you saw the king. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're actually processing all of that, so you kind of know when you see ace-king, you already know what you were planning on doing with ace-king. Yeah. God, so good. <laughs> you take this for granted. I, I, like, I, yeah. I wouldn't say like I Duh. did it perfectly. I mean, I've definitely, I, I can remember one spot where I misplayed Ace King pretty badly in a spot like mm-hmm. similar to what you're talking about. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> so. I, I know it depends, but just in, in that spot, even in general, like Ace King, how do you view that? Like, I mean, and I know you have not nearly enough information, but just sort of in generalities, you've got to, You've got a bet and a call and a re-raise in front of you and you pick up ace king. Sure. I mean, are you generally how are you thinking about that? I mean, it seems it seems like calling is kind of the wrong thing, maybe kind of sorta. Mm-hmm. Raising seems like you get in a lot of trouble that way. Folding certainly seems like the wrong play. And I know it depends on a number of factors, but just how do you what's just your gut in that sort of a situation? What's my gut? Um, Does that make sense? Or is that a bad, well, kind of a guess, bad question? I guess I wouldn't know what my gut might be. I know. In the hand, but yeah. I just think, you know, it's, it's ace high, but it's ace king. and Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said you have to answer a vague question. I think it's, I don't I think ace king is a very powerful hand. It has a lot of equity against a lot of hands. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not as strong as aces or kings, and it's, you know, Racing against Ace King suited is, uh, you know, maybe the third best hand, but mm-hmm. Queens and then Ace King off. And so, it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of the strongest hands in the world. Right, right. It, it blocks Aces and Kings really well. So, do you generally, in those sorts of spots, do you generally want to take the initiative and put the pressure on other people and say, well, you know, it's Ace King, you know, let's, I mean, depending on the stack, let's go with it? Or, 
know, in that sort of spot with that much action in front of you, are more are you prone or is there a tendency to more to call with it and sort of see what develops? Or are you looking to get chips in the middle with that hand in general? Is you know, um, I'm I'm usually at least looking to put in a raise, I guess. Yeah, to put some pressure on the opponents yeah. and see. Yeah, yeah, I am too. It's just, it's just so hard because then you get shoved on and yeah, and if you're yeah. at a certain blind level, then it's fine. Let's go. It, well, it's fine. Um, having Ace King is a bluff too, because hmm. like maybe. You're like 80 blinds deep, which is pretty deep, and mm -hmm. uh, you don't think that they're they're shopping with anything but aces and kings, and you know, so ace king is a pretty flexible hand, even though it's, yeah. it doesn't, it, it can it can be put into a lot of different ranges. Okay, it's, it's like a four bet fold or a four bet call or mm -hmm. you know, a four bet jam. It, it could be a lot, a lot of different spots. One one last spot because sure. that, that was a bad scenario, <laughs> but good answer to a to a bad question. Um, just just in general, I've gone through this uh, period of the first couple of years I played. Man, I'm, you know my cash percentage was really good. I, mm -hmm. In the money percentage, super, but my ROI was negative or barely positive. Mm -hmm. Then I you know realizing that I'm, I'm just playing the cash too much, and mm -hmm. I started looking at my multiple of when I do cash. What's my multiple return? Versus buy-in, like okay, that seems like three or four. It's like mm -hmm. okay, that should that should be higher than that for an average. So I went through a period of now I'm going to play more to win, and so the in the moneyness goes down, you know, but my ROI actually went up, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And so I have this weird sort of, and, and everybody does too, but I think there's, there's there must be this sort of sweet spot of what you know. How often should I try to? Not that you're. I'm trying to cash in 23.2 percent, but you know, there, there's this there's a sweet spot of playing to win. Versus surviving the cash. Sure. And is there a mentality with that? Because I feel like my pendulum shifted from it. It's the it was the TJ Cloutier sort of super disciplined, <laughs> cashing a ton to you know the super aggressive. Where like man, my you know I'm playing to win every tournament. And I, I just make yeah. these crazy plays sometimes. And then you know I'm trying to settle into where is that equilibrium, or mm -hmm. is it an equilibrium in general, or should it be not should, but is is it is a mentality. More around, I'm trying to survive, trying to survive, trying to get to the money, and then maybe when I'm in the money, I, I ratchet it up to play to win. Mm -hmm. or, or is there, you know, do you have any kind of an overarching paradigm, or again, is it just it's the best decision at the time? Well, I think the dynamic that you're touching on is really important. Um, but I I would caution against saying like I want, uh, like I'm trying to play to win versus I'm trying to like cash as much as possible, okay. and like insane. Like this is how that change in mentality changed my game because it's it's really really hard to draw conclusions from a live sample, so um, just because it's not enough, right? Yeah, right, fair right. enough. Yeah. Um, but I think that mentality has to be very fluid. Um, if you have ten big blinds and you're on the stone bubble, it isn't smart to play for the win at that point. In the right. Generally, I mean, there could be a lot of other. You could mm -hmm. be the shortest stack, and you need to. Make something happen. Right, right, right. But um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of dynamics that, mm -hmm. that are kind of fluid. Um, so mm -hmm. you kind of have to go back and forth between am I am I trying to cash here or is is trying to cash the most profitable thing or is trying to accumulate chips and put pressure on the most okay. profitable thing. But as you look at, I mean, obviously the the structure of most tournaments is super, you know, exponential as far as yep. growth to the top. So in general, it seems like you, you you want to be playing to win. You want to be playing more aggressive, I would think, to get to where that money is. 
or or maybe put it another way in terms of you know if you're more expected value of every decision it seems like there needs to be some kind of an overlay or an under or leaning toward the aggressiveness or would you disagree with that i would disagree i guess because yes like this is like talking about the the bubble again yeah um your your chips just won't be worth anything like if you if you still bubble so um Mm. if you wait it out like um like in those 280s it's totally a different thing but like Mm -hmm. if you if you bag then they they do have a strong event right incentive to you know chip down to just a couple of chips the first bubble yeah Mm -hmm. um but in general, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So like the payout is a thousand dollars if you make the cash, and it's zero for not. Right, that's thousand dollars in your pocket. Right, yeah. and then it's the payouts are a thousand for the next sure. twenty spots. Yeah, that's where you can play to win more once you're. Um, or <laughs> you're, you're so really, it's so good. This is good. It just feels like then you you know because you really need to move up twenty spots to get there. Well, to, to increase. If I guess if you're playing against an an opponent who if if you get all the chips in and um you won't be either busted or you won't be like in very close danger to bust then then you can put a lot more pressure on mm-hmm. because uh, and then you can look to be more aggressive because because yeah. they have the incentive to you know, try to squeak to wait okay here's i mean it seems like sorry i keep saying the last thing but i, I will let you go here but just you know it feels like my my gut on you is just, you know you're very disciplined in terms of your you're able to look at each decision and say, okay, what is the right play in this? Yeah. Versus letting emotion sort of get a hold of you. Yeah, I think, I think that's and important. And it's so good. As somebody who tends to be more emotional, I'm trying to learn <laughs> from that. I mean, I'm a logical person. I'm an analytic, you know, yeah. in fact, I'm math stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I still have this emotional side that sure. I, I've got to figure out. Maybe that's meditation or that's some sort of a way to, no. how do I control my emotions and say, I'm going to take my emotions out of this. I've heard, you know, meditation or for some people uh-huh. say, you know, I actually kind of try to you know mentally remove myself from the table and look down at the table and say uh-huh. what's the right decision that I think for me that's a piece of it I need to learn is how can I make the right decision and not let emotion determine my decision mm-hmm. I would say like I'm just as emotional as anybody else but I, I, I yeah. think but at the table you're able to well I think like just focusing on what are the good things that will help me make the best decision possible mm-hmm. um, do you feel emotional at the table while you're playing? Yeah. 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 Okay. You just you just you're, just, you're just, able to not because you would say you're not. I mean, yeah, you're an emotional guy, but you wouldn't say you're an emotion. Your play isn't influenced dictated. by the emotion, or yeah. is it? No, I don't think so. Right. And that's so. That's that. How do you bifurcate that? How do you stay as an emotional person and you know bad beats suck and all this right. stuff still. Right. But yet, not let that actually influence your decisions and avoid any of that suboptimal tilt. Yeah. I would guess yeah. that was just... How do you do it? <laughs> focus on making the just best decision. Just don't do it. Just <laughs> <don't> exactly. <laughs> no, good stuff. <laughs> but, I mean, you can find little tricks, like for yeah. me, earplugs. Or, um, yeah. Well, one of the things I've mentioned on this, this podcast, too, is like I like to chat with people at the table, but I found that when I do chat, I do get pulled out of my game. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not as yeah, as engaged. Even though I'm enjoying myself more, my return on enjoyment mm-hmm. is higher, but re- my return on investment is lower. And so that's part of that, too, is just recognizing yeah. even those things. Yeah. All right. I have to cut this off or I'll keep asking you questions. Okay. Anything you want to add? No, just thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah. It's fun. Thanks for being on. Yeah.
All right. Thanks, everybody. Well, once again, a huge thanks to Joe Bernard for being our guest on the Rec Poker Podcast. I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank the Free Poker Network for being a sponsor. And I want to give you a heads up that All In for Africa, the sixth one, is coming up April 1st. Starts at 10.30 a.m. at Canterbury Park. And uh, in addition to about 50% of the prize pool, because the other half's going to the Against Malaria Foundation, but in addition to the prize pool, there'll also be at least 40 people who are bounties, uh, some of them with cash prizes as much as $200 and maybe even more. So uh, it's a great event, a great turnout all the time. Last time we had about 140 people and just had a blast uh, raising money uh, for a great cause and having a good time and, and some good poker as well. So hopefully you can consider... Uh, joining us for that as well. Uh, until next time, uh, I'm your host, Steve Fredland. Thanks for joining us for the Rec Poker Podcast.